Welcome, you orally pleasing audience. I cannot hear you with the same consistency and volume that you hear me, but I know you are out there waiting in the ether. And as these sessions allow us to be simpatico in our mutual interests, aversions, and pursuits, it is as if we are dialoguing with frequency. As you have grown accustomed to recognizing my cadence, inflection, tone, and the depth of my vocal delivery, you know me rather well. For a person's voice, like how well they take care of their F-Star's hands, as previously mentioned, can reveal much about a mammal. Think before you speak, dear listeners. Dictate with intention, and every word you utter beyond what was necessary opens the passageway on you being rewarded with some perturbing rebuke. In other words, when you speak, it's like paying for an insurance claim. You have essentially opened the floodgates for you to receive a response, criticism, a critique, and everything in between. If you keep your mouth shut, all they can say about you is, well, we hope that you don't go move out in the woods and become the next Unabomber. Just saying. But be very careful and cautious with your word selection when you talk at work. Consider your audience. Who are you talking to? I have mentioned radical intentionality. Here is another SAT phrase crafted by the chambers of my creative mind. A. C. No, I am not talking about alternating current. I'm talking about audible caution. Exercise A. C. or audible caution. See, it already sticks in there in your mind and the little crevasses that you didn't even know you had. And the goal is to make these words of mine linger a while, a long while. But exercise A. C. when at work, audience. If it is important, you can always vent it via a controlled, methodical diatribe at a later time. But once certain words are uttered, those words dissipate into the air, unable to be collected back into the VJ <laughs> or vocal jar. Your words can be turned against you in the moment, dear listeners, or worse, scrawled in a perennial ledger of unintended white-collar confessions and reference later to deny you a promotion or something of the like. Be wise and weary in all that you say. I know it gets confusing. In this contemporary culture that we live in, it's a tell everything, express yourself, be yourself. If somebody offends you, read them the riot act, but not privately, oh no. These days you're encouraged to get up on a microphone and profess your undying hatred of somebody or to talk to the world about how you were wronged or mistreated by that person. Anything even resembling harassment of any type is now encouraged for you to scream from the rooftops and sing like the fat lady at the opera. I tell you no, hold your tongue. If I've told you before, I'll say it once more. If something is important, you can bring it up later when you're better prepared. But do not unload in the moment, trust me. Trust me, dear listeners, I would not lead you astray. Before I dazzle you with some articulate quotes, allow me a brief teaser confession on Kimohawk to come. You have heard of Manic Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, Tequila Thursdays, F Stars It Fridays, State Fair Saturdays, and Sinful Sundays. But hold fast and grip tight your armrest. Prepare yourself for a second Kimohawk Session audiobook called Whiskey Wednesdays with Wham Bam Cam. That's Wham Bam Father F Stars Cam! The ingredients consist only of falsetto profit, wham bam cam, 
and open mic, potent, straight, no chaser libations, and unrehearsed, unscripted, unadulterated, voracious dialogues. We will tackle this multifaceted maelstrom of life and tackle the shiz out of it. That will be airing soon, in tandem with ongoing white-collar black belt episodes. If I can dream it up, so too can I employ full F-Star's use of it, dear listeners. I am as excited as a turkey vulture soaring over the aftermath of a Jim Jones Kool-Aid conviction soiree. I told you in the introduction to Kimohawk Sessions that... I have many ideas and many attributes that I would like to bring full circle for you. It was always known that I would have different quote-unquote books here. The first book in the Kimohawk Sessions library is White Collar Black Belt. Well, we are on episode or chapter 37 now, still going strong. But there are other things. There are other avenues, other angles, other dimensions, other effing boulevards that I do want to traipse down and trot at my leisure. The idea came to me in a dream. Not quite. I was just BSing with Wham Bam Cam the other day, and we decided, you know what? Do we like whiskey? Check. Do we like talking? Check. Do we like putting our collective brains together? Not to participate in the seven deadly synergy of synergy, but because, like a president with a good vice president. You know, back in the day, if a president, or I'm sorry, back in the day, if two candidates ran for president, the loser would become vice president. Now I know what you're thinking. That sounds like a horrid idea. Because there's going to be animosity between the two of them. They stand for different things. They walk different platforms. They tow different political lines. Actually, in retrospect, it was brilliant. Because a president would then have a vice president that complemented them. Where one was strong, the other was meek. And where one could only see the tree, the other could see the forest. Humility. It kept both parties honest. That is precisely why Wham Bam Cam and myself want to get together and talk. There will be areas of agreement. There will be areas of discord. But at the end of the day, my goal mirrors his goal, which is to help, which is to foster, which is to creatively materialize out of effing thin air an easier, better, simpler, less convoluted way to work, to life, and every mother F-star's niche nook or cranny in between. I eagerly await the second book. Also, for your anticipatory pleasure, I will also be going over a third book where I will review movies, Ad Infinitum. If you are interested in being a guest speaker on one of the movie selections, just give me an idea of a movie that you would like to discuss, and we can hamster wheel it for a while. That book will be called Slick Pick Flick, where I will pick a slick flick to discuss. Oh, I'm starting to tingle a little bit. Somebody better call a doctor, or just accept that this is how my body releases excitement. Now, thank you for your continued patience. On to quotes. There is a John Wayne quote, talk low, talk slow, and don't say too much with regard to respectful talking, but only when it matters. Talking slowly with a low voice shows humility to your peers. You will make a far better impression using this tactic than those loud, obnoxious, boisterous, kindergarten types. You know who you are in the office. Pinkerton, soldier. You don't have to shout or talk in a very high-pitched nasally whine to get your way. That's what kids do. And any self-respecting parent who's trying to lay down the law knows to ignore them, lest they always have to reach over and hand them the equivalent of a feline treat, thereby fattening the child, creating a very dangerous habit. His advice, John Wayne's advice actually was talking slowly with a low voice can aid in your movie career. Talking lowly and slowly. So my boy Brooks, 
he has something of a an emotional distance from his language. I see this as an asset because if you can speak to people and even if they are perturbing you to the nth degree, if you can maintain that stoic stone silence or that angel emissary who's only killing because it's his mission and he takes no pleasure in it, if you can maintain a stalwart, emotionless visage, you maintain the strategic edge in conversation and in combat. Once people know what registers with you and thereby what can get a rise out of you, you have given up more of your hindquarters to your enemy and thus exposed yourself for future annoyance, petty annoyance, pesky annoyance. It is best to remain calm. It is best to use low, slow language and do not say too much. The exhilarating ripple of her voice was a wild tonic in the rain. F. Scott Fitzgerald Reality is a thin skim of ice over a deep lake of water. Stephen King Now think about that. If you have an economy of words and you're able to just utilize the right word for the right occasion in your white-collar profession, people are going to want to seek you out to get your tutelage and to receive your training and your coaching because you will be able to convey complex subject matter in a very, I don't want to say remedial, but in a more palatable way. Sometimes you have to simplify, not because your audience is an F-stars tard, but because maybe they're new, or maybe they're inexperienced, or maybe that's just how they process things. Some are audio, some are visual, some are both. If you can use an economy of words, as Stephen King is able to solidify a large cloud of information into a very digestible stream, you have an advantage. History repeats itself is another way of saying past harmonized Stephen King. A few movie dialogues that are just too good to pass up, sidestep, or ignore. I'm not the guy you kill. I'm the guy you buy. Are you so effing blind that you don't even see what I am? I sold out Arthur for 80 grand. I'm your easiest problem, and you're going to kill me, Michael Clayton, played by the great George Clooney? He would ultimately get a nomination for Best Actor for that role. George Clooney again as Bob Barnes, a CIA analyst and field operative in Syriana. Now, George Clooney would win the Best Supporting Actor Oscar for this performance. Now, this is George Clooney as Bob Barnes talking to Dean Whitting, played by Christopher Plummer. If anything happens to me or my family, an accident, an accusation, anything, then first, your son will disappear. His body will never be found. Then your wife, her body will never be found either. This is guaranteed. Then, whatever is the most dangerous thing you do in life, it may be flying in a small plane. It may be walking to the bank. You will be killed. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want you to acknowledge that you do understand so that we're clear and there won't be any mistakes. Beirut rules, Mr. Barnes. And then later, same movie, same two characters. Mr. Dean Whitting, played by Christopher Plummer, says, In this town, you are innocent until investigated. And then Bob Barnes, innocent until investigated. That's nice. It's got a nice ring to it. Bet you've worn some miles on old sayings like that. Gives the listener the sense of the law being written as it's spoken. When you think about it, audience, when you're at work, you are going to be engaging in overmuch dialogue with people. It is going to be a very large cornucopia of conversation that you're going to be engaging in. You're going to be talking to coworkers. You're going to be talking to superiors. You're going to be speaking at meetings in front of anywhere from 50 to 100 people. In the realm of the virtual, you're going to be talking to many more than that and more frequently. Because every time that you say something on a virtual meeting, you can't even see who's paying attention. You may take for granted the fact that you think they're preoccupied. But when you do that, it can be a very unfortunate oversight. People are listening to what you're saying, even if it's just passively. Even if they're only giving you 25%, that 25% could still theoretically bury you if you're not careful. You always want to sound intelligent. 
You want to sound prepared. If you make a mistake when you're speaking, just apologize, acknowledge it. It's better to acknowledge the mistake that you just misspoke and then move along instead of pretending like nothing happened. Because then those people that are listening more like giving you 75% attention, they're picking up on it and now they're wondering, okay, this person just made a mistake. Did they mean to make that mistake? Do they know they made a mistake? Because not everybody's going to give you the B of the D. That's what I call the benefit of the doubt. Always be intentional with your words and always know that the less emotion you can bring to the table, whether it's fiery, amped up, passionate emotion, whether it's cold, gloomy, despondent emotion, whether you're sad, whether you're overly glad, it doesn't matter. You want to maintain a calm, consistent tone throughout. Why? Because a calm, consistent tone is calming. You want your audience to be calm. Now, you don't want to lull them to sleep. So every once in a while, I recommend doing something like this. This is just for example. Okay, everybody, now we are going to be dissecting the difference between a fully reimbursed deductible and a partially, what's up, bam, partially reimbursed deductible. See what I did? Caught everybody off guard, made a few people laugh, and brought them all back to the front lines of our presentation. Keep people on their toes, audience, because if they're stepping on their toes, they're not on e equal, even footing, and then you have the advantage. But always be careful in what you say and how you say it. There's a sequence in the great film, A Thin Red Line, a war film about World War II and the Battle of Guadalcanal. You've got First Sergeant Edward Welsh, who's played by Sean Penn, and Private Witt, played by Jim Caviezel. Hey, Witt, who are you making trouble for today? What do you mean? Well, isn't that what you like to do? Turn left when they say go right? Why are you such a troublemaker, Wit? You care about me, don't you, Sergeant? I always felt like you did. One day I come up and talk to you, then the next day it's like we never met. Lonely house now. You ever get lonely? Only around people. Only around people. You still believing in the beautiful light, are you? How do you do that? You're a magician to me. And then finally, Private Wit, I still see a spark in you. Economy of words, import, there's, a, there's a certain thrust of importance behind what you say. You want to be making valid points. You don't want to just have a lot of excess or unnecessary wordplay. But this episode is not just about speaking clearly and making sure that you don't say things that you don't intend. It's also about speaking in a very calm, sexy voice. Welcome, audience, to chapter 37, White Collar, Black Belt, Oral Pleasure. Prove with convincing diction, soothe with deft tone. I was talking to my boy Lambro the other day, and he brought up a good point on these Joe Rogan podcasts, specifically the episode where Joe Rogan had on the football player Aaron Rodgers. My boy Lambro pointed out that one thing that makes Joe Rogan a good interviewer is that he will ask questions, he will sit back and let the person speak for as long as they choose to speak. And when that person has officially ended that initial stream of dialogue or that soliloquy, he'll wait a few more seconds and sit in silence just in case that person has any other information they would like to contribute. This makes for a good interview because it allows the speaker to collect and disseminate any final thoughts that they may have before they pass the torch, the conversational torch, back to Joe Rogan. It's in these little silences that a lot can be uncovered. I think it's a good idea. We've already talked about it in a prior episode with the negotiate your fate on how to negotiate. You make your offer and then you just wait. You just sit back and you wait. If you start talking again, you might be negotiating against yourself or approaching things from a position of weakness or a vantage that is at the bottom of a long trek of a rocky, bloody, cumbersome hill. I say, say what you have to say, no more, and then let people process it. If you inundate them with a barrage of too much and too short a period of time, they likely won't be able to give you a cohesive response because you've given them too much to chew on, too much to digest. Now, as you know, when you swallow whole those Taco Bell tacos, 
you're not giving yourself much of a chance to digest it either. And the end result is explosive and not in a calm, cool, collected manner. It's horrendous. I say give people every opportunity to respond, remain silent, but when it's your turn to talk, make use of brandishing that microphone, so to speak. Make use of the fact that you have people's attention. Do you want to sustain their attention? Then make sure that things that you're saying are valuable or add value, or if it doesn't specifically serve as a value add to that one audience member, at least you're making points that are logical so that they can think, okay, I don't, I, that doesn't really apply to me, but I get what the guy's saying. I'm picking it up. I'm putting it down and I'm laying it flat on my freshly made bed. Oh, also make your beds, audience. I remember talking to my boy, brother Brooks recently. And as Jordan Peterson recommended in one of his 12 steps to a good life, make your F stars bed, make it every day. No exceptions. You'll feel more put together, but you want to speak very calmly and you want to sound very confident. You also want to sound sexy, right? So a guy, to me, I don't care what is happening culturally or socially now, men should sound like F-stars men, no exceptions, and women should sound like women, no exceptions also applies. I don't like females with deep gravelly voices, nor do I like men with weak effeminate voices. It causes confusion, and on this battlefield of daily life, especially when you're engaged with people in conversation about important white-collar workplace matters, I don't like to be confused. If you're on a virtual call and somebody's talking and you don't know if they're man or woman, this causes problems because then you say you have someone speaking in a, in a virtual meeting that their camera's not on and they have one of those unisex names. We've got Riley over here talking with an androgynous voice. What do you say, Riley? Uh, uh, she, he, uh, sh I'm going to get off this call. I'm coughing up blood over here. I'm so nervous because I don't want to offend Riley, whatever Riley may be. If you're a man, speak as lowly and slowly and deeply as you are able. And if you are a female, well, your voice should just have a natural mellifluousness to it. Embrace what makes you your gender, people, so that in your speech, we can articulate more about you, whether you're a man or an F-Stars woman. It's important. When I think of just sexy, masculine voices, you got Vin Diesel. Now, you may not care for Vin Diesel as an actor. I hear that a lot. Oh, he's a muscle head. He's a moron. Oh, yeah? Well, this moron is worth about $1.2 billion, and he's in great F-star shape. He's not just muscle-bound, and he's actually a good actor. If you have seen Boiler Room, when he is a stockbroker with a shaved head and a suit, and he goes off on Giovanni Ribisi in the hallway because he's angry, because he realizes that Giovanni has been talking to the feds, it is downright terrifying when he gets angry, where he uses that deep baritone voice. And he was great in a movie called Knockaround Guys, not to mention his performance in Find Me Guilty. All that to say, Vin Diesel has a universally accepted great male voice. Ving Rhames, another great actor with a great gravelly voice that it allows him to have a gravitas when he speaks. It makes you want to listen to him when he says something, especially when he's giving life or death saving orders to people. Liv Schreiber, you all know Liv Schreiber. He was Sabretooth in one of those Wolverine movies, but he has a consistently monotone, deep, rich, warm voice that you want to be around. If you have a pleasant voice, people want to listen to you. If you're going to conduct a training session that's 90 minutes long, work really hard to have good inflection and have a good, rich, rosin, velvety, smooth voice, if you can help it. Now for women, Rosario Dawson has one of the best voices I have ever heard. Sometimes back in the white collar office, I would be struggling because the people around me were using these high-pitched, whiny, terrifyingly terrible voices that disrupted my sense of serenity. 
So I would just go to YouTube and listen to Rosario Dawson give interviews and instantly felt better. I challenge you right now, listeners, listen to Rosario Dawson talking, laughing, it doesn't matter. I guarantee that your pulse rate, regardless of what it may be registered at at that moment, will instantly dwindle to a more cardiovascularly acceptable rate. Summer Glau, she played one of the Terminators in the great Terminator of the Sarah Connor Chronicles. She has a very sexy, sensual voice that is very relaxing. Rona Mitra, she's kind of like Kate Beckinsale. She was a vampire in one of the Underworld movies, the prequel Underworld. When she drops her native English tongue, it is just, it is absolutely mesmerizing in its ability to calm and to refresh and, and to cleanse your audible palate. It's just great. So these people have really great voices and they've made a career out of it. I say, get with a dialect coach, read to yourself, record yourself, and you will learn oodles about your own voice and your own vocal patter. I have been listening to my voice for hundreds of hours now because whenever I crank out one of these chemohawk sessions, I have to listen to it numerous times to make sure that it sounds good for your oral pleasure, dear audience. So I'm telling you, if you listen to yourself talk a lot, you can really shift and navigate your locution as you circumnavigate the wiles of an otherwise capricious and ever-changing white-collar office environment. Speak in pleasing, monotonous tones. Example, so here's a little sentence. Silence can be your friend. Silence can be your friend. Silence can be your friend. Now I'm camo over here. Silence can be your friend. Or if I'm freck, uh, silence? Can it be your friend? No, 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 no. All that's garbage. If you want to say something, you want to speak smoothly, you want to speak slowly and with conviction, but not too much conviction because then you start sounding haughty and nobody likes a haughty sea stars, as Albert Swearingen would say. Silence can be your friend. Boom, bam. I could be narrating children's books with a voice that soothing. Speak in pleasing monotonous tones. Remain robotic with any perceptible apoplexy that you may feel, especially when your face starts getting red for my Irish brethren out there. But you may express genuine remorse when there is a communal loss. And of course, you may be congenial and ebullient, but to a point, not an annoying one. That's the danger that soldier, aka Pinkerton, finds herself at my former white-collar company. She's got all this energy, but it's a, a restless, frenetic energy, and it will just knock you off of your feed of relaxation so quickly, it's like an LA Confidential. Do you really want to tear all that down? With a wrecking ball. Want to help me swing it? She tears your otherwise serene tranquility out of sorts with her wrecking ball of an annoyance and tone. Be mindful of how you speak, audience. More quotes. His voice is deep and gravelly. I once heard one of the girls say that he had the voice of a sex god, but because I've never really heard what a sex god sounds like, I can't verify that. Melina Marchetta. I am not anxious to be the loudest voice or the most popular, but I would like to think that at a crucial moment, I was an effective voice of the voiceless, an effective hope of the hopeless. Whitney M. Young Jr. Wow, now that is a mouthful of a name, Whitney. That's exactly what we're trying to do here with these Kimohawk sessions, dear listeners. I like that. An effective voice of the voiceless, an effective hope of the hopeless. I am trying to grant you a voice so that you can stick up for yourself in dire circumstances, dear listeners, when the white collar has you beaten down like a red-headed tard who stole something out of the cookie jar where the actual valuables of the familial were hidden. But I also hope to affect hope for those of you that feel hopeless, so I can really get behind the validity of that quote. Your voice reveals more than you wish it would, dear listeners, especially in the sometimes virtuous world of the virtual. When you're talking to people at the office in a meeting, you can more or less gauge how you're being perceived, how you're being received, when you're up there because you can see their face you can see that twinkle either glowing bright or non-existent behind their peepers but in the virtual with the resting glitch faces and everyone's camera turned off 
it is darn near impossible. Where the virtual villainy of misconceptions, misunderstanding, and misuse of a reaction run rampant. I have seen it. I know that it is true. Personal nugget time. Back in the day when I was just starting out and I was a neophyte and my field claims handling abilities, there was a gentleman that started the same day that I did and his name was Jake the Snake, okay? Jake the Snake. And Jake the Snake was a nice enough guy from East Texas, but there was something about Jake the Snake that made him interesting. He had a stutter. Now, for any of you who have seen The Sixth Sense, stuttering Stanley, stuttering Stanley, let's just shut up. He had a stutter and it was no joke and he would stutter ceaselessly and often. I remember asking my supervisor at the time, why did you guys hire him? Because he has a pronounced stutter and you would have known that when you interviewed him. And I'm just curious because when you're in stressful situations, which can tend to exacerbate the stress and the stutter, it can lead to the feeling of uncertainty to a customer. Because remember, these white collar customers were cutthroat and their blades were always laced with blood, dear listeners. They sent us out with nothing but a flashlight and a clipboard to these homes where we may never see the light of day again. If nothing else, all you had was your confidence and your wits. So I asked, wouldn't his stutter undermine his confidence? Wouldn't that be something that you would be concerned about in hiring him? Her response opened my eyes more than in a clockwork orange with that eye-opening device. She said, you know, falsetto, that's actually one of the reasons why he was hired. I said, slap your mama in the face with a metal gauntlet glove. Why? Well, because his stutter humanizes him. Insurance companies are often seen as being soulless. We would step over the body of a dead infant if it allowed us to wash our Lexus two minutes sooner, right? He adds a humility and he humanizes us in the eyes of the external customers. He is the face of the organization. And with his stutter, people will say to themselves falsetto, well, you know, his company hired him and he has a very active stutter. They probably care about people. They probably have a heart beating, pumping fresh blood after all. I was absolutely floored by this revelation. Never before had I heard such Machiavellian style and technique on an otherwise unsuspecting employee. They hired him because he will look more human? You're only concerned about the optics. This is absolutely insane. Needless to say, Jake the Snake eventually left the company. Now, whether it's because he learned of this deceit or whether it just wasn't working out for him, he left. And I'm sure he's happier now. But that was a crazy observation to be told that he was strategically hired in part because of how much he would humanize an other soulless cyborg-like company. Wow, wow, isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? It puts the wild in wildfire, dear listeners. If you talk, you can get in trouble. So be very economical with your words, dear listeners. Silence can actually be a good trusted friend. I suggest that you occupy the space of silence until you are dead set F-stars certain you are ready to be heard, and you have valuable things to contribute. Thank you. Thank you, you patient, open-minded, tight-lipped audience. This journey we find ourselves on, marching into white-collar combat, relaxing outside the war zone, asking complicated questions, and affording proper time to decipher the complex answers. My appreciation for you is loud, articulate, and unassailable. If you have a sexy, warm, inviting voice, exhaust the shiz out of it, if you have a whiny, nasally voice of vexation, well, shiz, work on it, and ladle out your words slowly, lowly, and with the utmost care and moderation. Unwind without unloading all your thoughts. And remember, the daily grind is undefined, not well-defined. Remain inclined to resign from that daily F-Stars grind. Woo!
Look at those rhymes! My rhyme scheme is undisputed! How does Mr. Prophet's voice work for you, dear listeners? If it soothes your most animus-rich, animalistic impulses, and, like a street drug introduced to a public school in that great cop show The Shield when the students are young, you find yourself addicted and returning once more for another score. Then Chemohawk Sessions offers just the dope dose you need. Sit still, contain the thrill, dear listeners, as you salivate for your next session. Chapter 38, White Collar, Black Belt, Sufficiently Deficient. How to regain sound hearing when deaf isn't. Shake hands with the foe, make plans with a new budding bro. Life is not easy, potience. Tis why it rhymes with effing strife. Life may be rife with strife, but you can put the wilds in wildlife. And remember to speak low and slow to all parties. From a lowlife with a hunting knife to a midwife with a butter knife. Falsetto, out.